it definitely took a little took a toll on your drive to sort of keep going a bit. But I sort of thought, yeah, you don't sort of lose hope or anything. But I was sort of you know feeling maybe this this might not get another chance again to keep playing. So. Hello and welcome to the Off Field Rugby Pod. My name is Brian Moylet. I'm a former Irish underage international and this podcast is for young rugby players. I chat with players and coaches at the top of the game about their journey and get their insights so that you can learn from them. Please follow me on Instagram at offfieldrugby, share the pod with friends and make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Jordy Reed has gone from playing on the E team, A B C D E team in school, to being one of the best players in the English Premiership this season, regularly being named in the teams of the week and picking up a few man the matches. We chat about his journey to where he is today, and Jordy explains how he was never a standout player, he didn't make rep teams in school. And talks about when he graduated high school, he went off backpacking to Europe with his friends. He wasn't really concentrating on rugby at that time. Also, you'll hear about how even after getting a break in pro rugby, he got released, was working in a job and then set out going through the lower levels to get to where he is today. He's a top man and you'll see how his journey has been anything but straightforward and easy. Also, at the moment, I'm running a competition on my Instagram, at Offfield Rugby, so check that out and I'll chat about it at the end. So here's episode 48 with Jordy Reid. A lot of people stress about money. Where should you be investing? Are you prepared if there's a crash? And loads more. And if you're not an expert, finances can be really daunting. I know the people at Sparks Wealth, and they're brilliant. What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you and manage your money so that it's working for you and so that you don't need to be worrying about it. You can book a free, no obligation Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. So I saw your keen surfer just start doing that as a kid. I uh, yeah, I did it. From a pretty early age, was always sort of down the beach, grew up around the beach. Um, so I started out bodyboarding and uh, I think started surfing when I was about nine or ten. But um, they have this, so I was part of a surf club down there uh, in Manly uh, growing up. So I was doing my surf life surfing stuff from about the age of five or six. So um, yeah, been doing it for, for most of my life, really. That's cool. And can you do it all year round down there or? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, do it all year round. The, um, winter, the water gets, gets a bit chilly, but um, probably not, not too different to here, to be fair. <laughs> Just chuck a wet suit on and you're all right. But yeah, for a good part of the year, you can jump in a pair of togs. Yeah, yeah, straight in the boardies. Or budgie smugglers are getting popular these days around the beach. So. <laughs> You see, uh, see a fair few of them cutting about. Yeah, that's nice. I grew up in the west of Ireland. I went surfing once or twice, but even in the height of summer, you're in a wetsuit and it's freezing. Yeah. Like, I've had, I've had a good friend of mine. He actually went over Ireland and did a bit of surfing over there. Some good waves about, 
So um, you get some big swell through there. Yeah, it is good. It is good. I enjoyed it. But yeah, it's it's freezing all the time there. It never gets hot. <laughs> and uh, do you ever do it like competitively or is it just like a bit of fun? Uh, I did join um, uh, a long, uh, what was it called? Uh, like a board riders club. Uh, I think about 14 or 15 with a couple of mates. And once a month, they, they'd have a competition on. Um, that did very well, but it was always a bit of fun and have a sausage, like a barbecue after on the beach and um, hang out with your mates, which is fun. But other than that, that was just a bit of fun. Nothing, nothing too serious. Nice. And then how did you get started in rugby? Uh, so I was playing soccer early. I was always a, like a fan of rugby. My dad's a Kiwi. Um, so he used to watch a lot. He, he played as well. Um, but I started mum didn't let me well, originally was a bit against the rugby idea so I was playing soccer and then um, and then I think just because I loved the game and, and was a big fan of it I sort of just kept pushing and then um, feel like a lot of my mates started playing and then um, was under 10 was my first year um, and yeah she said got to wear a headgear and uh, she'll let me play so I had the had the scrum cap and, and all that. <laughs> the Todd Ikefu scrum cap, I think it was. So, um, And then that's when I started. Nice one. And then was rugby kind of your favourite? Do you crack on with that and stick to that? I suppose main one outside like surfing and that stuff. Yeah, that was the main one after that. I did. Um, I was playing probably three times a weekend. Played a bit of, bit of league during um, when I was in primary school. You play that midweek. And then uh, we play club uh, and school and then uh, for Manly Rep uh, on the weekend, sometimes sort of four games a week or, or three games a week in the weekend. So I don't know how I did that. But obviously when you're, <laughs> when you're 11 and 12, it's, it's a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. When you're a young player, you don't seem to get hurt at all. You can just no, keep going yeah. and going. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You just, uh, the body doesn't seem to be quite as sore after the game. So. No. Yeah. And then I think as you're a teenager, you hear these older people who are complaining about their body. You're like, what are they on about? Like, this is easy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. You're still sore on the Monday. What are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. And how long did you play league for? Or was that um, just a bit of fun? Uh, yeah, it was just in primary school. That was, that was all the, the, they didn't have a rugby union team. They just had a league team. So I did, um, I did that for two or three years, just um, during the week. Nice one. Um, but yeah, it was, it was more rugby. Um, was more I was more of a fan of and, and watched it more and, and was throwing more my game. And then when did it start getting kind of serious or when did you start kind of thinking I'm going to stick at this and make a go of it? Um, probably, uh, probably when I, I finished school. So I was playing at school. Um, didn't play any representative teams or anything um like we when i was at school we had uh, uh a really good manly rep team that i was in that played in for a while for from about under 11 or 12 to about under 15 or 16 um we had guys like michael hooper and uh ben volvola um who plays the cg um another guy sam lane whose dad was assistant coach of the wallabies when they won the world cup Tim lane and, and played a bit of super rugby in that so um, we had a good rep team, and so 
Um, but even then, I was sort of just, just playing rugby just for fun with them. Um, and then didn't make any sort of representative teams at school or anything. Um, so I, when I finished school, I just, just travelled for six months um, around Europe, just got like a, a train pass um, with two of my mates and we just sort of backpacked around Europe for six months. And then when uh, when I got home, when I was about 19, um, was just playing club for Manly and they had a national academy at the time. They'd abandoned all the, each super club, um, they got rid of their own academies and just made like one national academy. Um, and I made that. Um, and then that's probably when I thought, okay, maybe they can give it a, give that a crack. And uh, there's some good names in that as well. I think that, that was where I met like Will Skelton and um, uh, guys like Jed Holloway is now playing for Waratahs. There's a few few guys in that who sort of come from schoolboy teams and that. So I thought maybe that's when I'm I'm in the mix a bit there. And and um, that was sort of my first time really doing uh, like proper weight training and and all that sort of stuff. So proper fitness fitness programs and and really getting the body um, into the right shape. So I guess that's when I probably thought maybe maybe could be on something here and and can maybe give it a good crack. Cool. And so when you're in high school, like no look-ins with rep teams and like, why, why was that? Um, well, I think, um, in my early school, uh, I never, I never, I think my first team, um, when I was in year seven, I was selected in, the the first game I was in like you know teams I'd be like under thirteen A's B C's I was put in like the E or something E's or F so I was, I was quite far down and um and school rugby was quite big at our school um but I didn't I didn't really know I'd just come from a local primary school so I didn't know too much about the schoolboy rugby but then um so that that's when I was doing the reps as well. On the on the Sunday with, with a couple of those good guys, um, and so I was like, all right, well, I'll probably just focus on playing club then. And um, I've skipped a few school games um, to play for Manly um, because it was better. Because I was picked in the E's, I was like, oh, I'm not very too full of the school. Uh, and then um, so then from that, I think the school got a bit a bit put off. I ended up making my way out to about the Bs or something, but I skipped a few of the games against the big schools and the school was a bit put off. But through my early school career, I was sort of floating around the Bs and Cs for a lot of times and um, it wasn't till uh, there was just one coach. Uh, they started coaching the uh, under 16s and then went on to coach the first and the next year when I was in the 16s and he sort of brought me up to the the 16 A's and the second and first the next year, which is when I really started actually getting um, some proper game time at school rugby and that. Um, so I guess that maybe didn't have my name out there, I guess, or playing in the lower grades through school in that early doors, possibly. Um, but there's also other good, like really good players around, like, uh, yeah, Mick Cooper was, was obviously in my year as well. So he's, he's you know, Easily, he's a great player, and yeah. he was he was always going to be in that that sort of position, and um, uh, lots of other sort of good players about. So <clears throat> probably a bit of combination of the both, I'd say. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess just just wasn't to be, and um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't 
wasn't too disappointed. I guess, you know, sort of only played first in my last year, so I wasn't wasn't expecting too much. But uh, yeah, enjoyed enjoyed the last couple of years at rugby at school anyway, which is good fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then how did you find going into that academy? Like what was uh say what was your body shape like before that were you always big or was that when you say you start getting on weights programs and that kind of carry on what was that like yeah I was always always a like a big friend I was never massive um always quite broad in the shoulders but uh yeah I've never done any sort of like gym program or like running fitness program or anything um so I was probably um uh like a little bit a little bit of like that puppy fat and all that sort of stuff. I was I wasn't round or anything, but I wasn't I wasn't lean or or didn't have much muscle mass in that. Um although I did by the time I got to that I did um I had done my six months in Europe so I was probably a bit um rounder than uh, <laughs> yeah than what I what I my normal body shape. Um uh and so yeah i remember i remember the first time getting in there and trying to like deadlift and bench press and i was probably like 70 kilos and other guys had done other stuff for, for over 100 and i thought it was amazing and all that sort of stuff so i did i worked i worked really hard and in, in that um in that program and i think that's probably what led me on to playing um or getting the body conditioned enough to play sort of first grade at uh in the sydney club comp um just sort of having that bit of extra strength and um and a bit of extra weight um and you sort of you sort of handle yourself a bit more when you're coming up against those sort of like 28 30 year olds who, who just sort of season club players and, and have that real sort of man strength um you sort of see like a lot of time big kids at school will sort of come out but it's just a different sort of strength when you know that you get like a 30 year old who's who's you know played 100 100 first grade games for his club and, and they're not worried about a guy you know 18 year old who's 100 and 1520 kilos mm-hmm. as opposed to as opposed to school. Um, so I think yeah, that program sort of just got me got my body right um, for that sort of that sort of transition. Nice one. Yeah, it's so true you say about that man strength. Like when you're a young fell in the gym, you can be lifting all the weights during the week, but then you come up against some owl lad and uh, yeah, they yeah. just they just beast you. Yeah, yeah, a couple of a couple of guys sort of lay you know bricklayers or tradies or something during the week, and then. <laughs> Um, yeah, a few of the, the dark arts on their side when it comes to footy on the weekend. Yeah, for sure. And uh, how did it go from there? So you were, you're in that kind of like a national academy and then started playing first grade men's and were you in that academy for a couple of years and then was it from that Sydney club comp that you got involved with the Rebels? Yeah, so it was, so the club comp, they have like an under, under 20s, which is cold. So I, got, I was playing that when I got back from Europe. And then from playing that, uh, I got selected in the National Academy. Uh, and then that following year, um, I was playing first grade for Manly. Uh, and then was sort of doing the academy through that as well for a bit. Uh, so, and then um, there was just a, a guy who was an agent uh, for a few of the Manly players. Because um, we have quite a few good players who come through Manly, like uh, Cliffy Parlo and, and George Smith and that. So he sort of had a few of those guys as his as his um, players. And he just sort of said to me, do, oh, do you want me to look after you if anything comes along? I thought, sure. And um, sure enough, 
that halfway through the year, he said the, the Rebels are showing a bit of interest. And um, and I was like, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm keen. So he just said, keep playing, keep playing well. And um, yeah, eventually it came, came to fruition, which is good. So um, like most, because rugby is such like a, like a predominantly New South Wales, Queensland, a lot of the franchises would, but particularly like Brumbies, Rebels and Force would pick their players out of the Sydney competition because um, that's where, um, particularly then like when the franchises like Rebels and that were relatively new, um, that's all where like the strongest um, sort of younger rugby players were and, and the competition was was really strong at, at that stage too. So uh, that was sort of where a lot of the scouts would go to watch um, players and, and try to pick them out of there. And that's the shoot shield, is it? That's the shoot shield, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard a bit about that, yeah. And uh, what was your schedule like then when you were in, say, the 20s and in the academy, or the Colts and in the academy? Like, what was the schedule like with that? Yeah, it was pretty it was pretty busy. I was, um, I was doing uni at that stage as well. Um, so, so I remember I was sort of doing... The National Academy it was in the mornings and in the afternoons. That um, would have was six days a week. It was morning and afternoon, and then uh, in the off season it was Saturday morning as well. So I'd go to the gym. Uh, so on on a Monday I'd go to the gym at uh, like six in the morning, in at the um, SFS or the Aussie Stadium. So you sort of train where the Waratahs setup was at the time, and then. Uh, drive home go off to uni uh and then if i had a little break at uni sometimes i was, I was working selling um or packaging sports memorabilia um just for a friend's dad um which is pretty cool saw some cool stuff there and then i would go off to uh off the training in the afternoon which is more like the rugby would be more field field based sort of stuff um so that was generally sort of how the day went um <clears throat> and then Tuesday, Thursday afternoons, the South National Academy training. It was the the Manly Colts training or the first grade training, whatever it was at the time. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty jam packed at the schedule. Uh, I was trying to fit in there, but paid off in the end. Yeah, for sure. And did you get a look in with the Aussie Twenties around then? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't get a look in with them at all. Um, I didn't. No, I didn't hear from that. I think there was an under twenty ones game once, maybe against England, where I was. They sort of, I was sort of maybe like, not in the plot in the, in the team, But if someone if someone got injured, they, I think I was sort of my name was thrown about a bit. But um, no, I never never played never played any of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and you just were just cracking on like kind of determined at that point once you got to looking with the academy were you saying like i'm going to give this full whack like yeah yeah i was giving it giving a good go i sort of thought sort of thought sort of thought <laughs> sort of thought um you know this is is pretty unique opportunity and, and something that um you know i thought i wanted to give it a good go and and we'll just see where it goes and um and i think doing that Although they never played any games, it was just training. So a lot of the focus, to be fair, was was trying to play well for Manly because that's where you sort of get um, you get scouted from. Um, but the training and all that 
and with the academy was was something that was was really helping me sort of just like I was saying develop my body and and just different little unique skills that would work on in the afternoon and um, with the coaches there that was I felt really helped develop my game a bit and um, I think just gave me a bit of an insight into what it's like to be you know professional training and, and being a professional player and um, and just sort of gave me a bit of a taste where I was like I'm keen for a bit more. Nice one. And how was playing with the Rebels then when you got your look in there? Yeah, it was unreal. It was unreal. My first year, um, there's still quite a lot of love seeing you guys there. So we had um, guys like Gareth Dell, um, Scotty, Scott Higginbotham just signed there as well, which is cool. Um, and a couple of big names like Kirtley and, and James O'Connor were there. And But there's a Sterling Mortlock was still there. So um yeah walking in day one it was um yeah you sort of seeing a few guys you used to watch it on tv and and your idols that you know you've looked up you know you've looked up to um probably had a few balls and that signed by them as well <laughs> and then uh and then uh you're in there training with them um but uh it was yeah it was it was just something i tried to just take everything as it came i had a lot to learn still i was only 20 21 i was 21 um so yeah, it was just just taking it in and and just um, just trying, you know, hoping I'll get a bit of game time here or there, and unfortunately I did. Nice. And how was that step up from playing club, uh, and I suppose being involved in that academy to train with all those boys? Yeah, it's just a, a different intensity that they're bringing every day. Really, like when you go out, you go out on the field, and you know a lot of those guys have had had good success so um they're sort of driving driving high standards and um and it was definitely definitely a, a good learning just to sort of try to learn off them and and you know pick their brains a bit you know gareth Dell was, was a great one for that um and um yeah it was just just something i, I really enjoyed and at the end during my first year and and um and yeah really really liked well, glad, fortunate that I got to go there at that time, yeah. Nice one. And so, like, when you were settling, you were pretty confident in asking questions and you weren't getting, like, overwhelmed or overawed or anything? Uh, probably the first first sort of month or so I was. I was, I was a bit quiet. Normally, yeah, when I go to, like, a new spot, sort of just trying to um, get to know a few guys. And, and obviously, they all had their <laughs> their friends and that, that they, they or their team had been together for a couple yeah. of years by then. Um the, you know, once you start playing and, and training with each other and, and you have a few drinks um, on a Friday night or whatever after after preseason and, and you get to know them, then, um, yeah, it was became quite a friendly bunch of lads. Nice. And then how did the move up to Ealing come about or why did you go after that? Um, so 2017, I... Uh, I end up, I think it's about uh, five games into the season. I had a, I got a scan on my back and I had a stress fracture in my back. Um, and so originally it was meant to be a six-week injury. Um, and uh, so I was sort of very happy for that, uh, hoping I'll get a bit of game time at the back end of the season. And then um, got a scan after six weeks and it was still there. So I sort of tapered back my rehab a bit, 
um, for another four weeks. And then that sort of kept getting scanned every month and, and it was still there. So, uh, and that sort of carried on for, for six months. Um, and I was coming off contract at the end of 2017. So, um, I had a few, yeah, so that for about six or five months of that period, six, six months, just sort of waiting for that to clear. Um, and then my contract was running up at the Rebels. Um, and then that was at the point too where the fourth um, got cut from the Super Rugby. Yeah. So there was a big crop of players that were sort of left there um, that were coming into the other team. So I sort of got forced, forced out there off contract. Um, and then, and then um, I stayed down there the next year doing a, just doing a bit of rehab, doing a bit of work for the club. Um, the community engagement sort of stuff, um, just training, just trying to get get back fit again. Um, and then by about, I think it was April the next year, so it'd been about 12 months, um, my manager said uh, there's a club in, in London called Ealing in the championship that, uh, that sort of want to talk to you and are, are keen to, if you're fit to play, they'd be keen to sign you. So I said, yes, yeah. so I had a Zoom call with them, like the sound of it. Uh, and I was tossing up at that time. I think it was the ITM team uh, or two, Tasman and Bay of Plenty that was also shown a bit of interest. So, so trying to decide which sort of way I wanted to go and, and I really had a desire to, to play in the UK and um, and so I thought it was a good way to get the foot in the door and um, my partner, she was, she was all for it to come over to London and um, so that's sort of how that started really. Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know about that back issue. And so if I'm doing the maths, you were what, 25, 26 when that was happening? 26, yeah. And, uh, 25, 26, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, that must have been a bit of a kick in the teeth. Like you're getting, getting, you're kind of looking with the Rebels and playing a bit. And then all of a sudden you're like out of contract and just like kind of cut. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tough period. I was, um, I think it was about October that year. Um, my agent was sort of saying, I think it was uh, it was Claremont and and I think Edinburgh it was Edinburgh or Glasgow. I can't remember. He said they they're both keen if if you if you're good to go now. And I was like, I, I can't. Like I haven't. I'm still still showing up with that stress fracture. So I still missed out on those opportunities at the at the back end of the year. And then um and then yeah, I think it was just at the at the end of the year, that's just the way that it's just unfortunate, I guess, with, with the team getting cut. And then um, yeah. we had the Dave, Dave Wessels was the fourth coach at the time. He then came to coach the, the Rebels uh, and and he brought a lot of the players with him. And, uh, yeah, just sort of there wasn't enough room. So um, they said I still had a bit of rehab to do. So uh, I sort of just chatted to them about... Um, you know, I need to finish off my rehab just to to get me ready to play again in case an opportunity comes up. So they sort of just had me doing a bit of bit of work around the club in in 2018, doing some involvement with the different schools and and different clubs there, and and trying to just do a bit of community engagement and and I'll do my rehab as well on the side um, through one of the club physios and um, and trainers and unfortunately sort of got it all right to go and, and fix me up. So it was good to, to take the opportunity to Ealing when it, when it popped up. Nice one. And uh, 
that can be it can be tough like um opportunities like passing you by like you say Claremont and then the two Scottish teams and um where how were you during that period like because you're just seeing these like big opportunities pass by and you can't take them and then you're out of contract and you're just hoping yeah yeah I mean it was yeah it's it's, it's sort of frustration at the time because you know you sort of you you want to obviously that like you say that the great clubs and I wanted to try and get my way over to the, the UK and then you're sort of thinking uh, uh, you know maybe maybe that was my chance and I might yeah. get another one so it's definitely um, yeah, you don't sort of lose hope or anything but I was sort of you know feeling maybe this this might not get another chance again to keep playing so um, I was sort of I'm quite happy once I started my rehab, just sort of thinking if I could get back playing, even if it was at Manly, maybe I might pick up a gig um, somewhere else in Oz or, or whatever. And um, so, I was, I was, you know, it was it took a it definitely took a little took a toll on on your um, your drive to sort of keep going a bit. But I sort of thought had a bit of self belief there that if I could keep get my body right, another opportunity will come. Nice one. Yeah, so that's why then once, because I was looking at it when, you know, you're playing with the Rebels and playing with Ealing and then you go to Gloucester and you're, you know, in teams the week, man the match all the time. So I was wondering, like, how, why you didn't kind of, like, go straight to a Prem club or something, you know? And, uh, but yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's tough, like, you sort of, you know, because you're not playing. And when you're out for extended period like that, it's, um, you know, teams want to see you playing and, and make sure your body's right. So you sort of you miss a few. Uh, it makes it hard to sort of sign off the back of or get a get a you know convince the club that you you're still that same player when you haven't played for twelve months. So um, yeah, it was just sort of so fortunate. It did did turn around in my my way, I guess. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, how was the champ? And then what was the how did you find the step of then going from the championship to Gloucester, say like physicality or skill wise? Yeah. So the, the champ, I, I didn't know anything about it really, to be honest with you. Um, I sort of, you know, all, all the premiership and, and, uh, and the clubs and hearing the players going over there, but you, you didn't hear, uh, like you didn't really see anything of the champ back home. So uh, it was a bit of an unknown for me. I spoke to, I actually, I called, um, Maxwell Heath, because he used to play in, in Melbourne, so I was still friends with him. And uh, I sort of just asked him, um, you know, is it, is it worth something um, me, me taking a chance on? And, and do you know much about Ealing? And uh, he said, uh, he said, yeah, mate, it's a, it's a good club and, and lots of people can get picked up um, out of that into into Prem Club. So cause my goal was to try to get back into, into the Premiership. So, um, uh so yeah, then when I got there, um, I sort of had like a little bit of background on it. Um, so I was, I was quite um, quite surprised, with it, especially with Ealing, you know, and where they want to try and get to, the setup they have there and the coaching staff and and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, they run it like a like a Premiership club, and um, I guess the big the big discrepancy you sort of realise is um, you've probably got the top four or five teams where you've got guys paid full time and then playing full time and then you've got other clubs where 
you know, at Richmond where guys are going to work during the week. And mm. I guess the discrepancy between the top and the bottom is, was probably um, probably the difference than when you step into the prem and, you know, it doesn't matter if they're last on the table or first on the table, you're getting against quality players. You know, you look at Bath, I've got six guys in the, in the England squad, you know, so as opposed to you've probably had a bit more of the up and down through the champ of, of different quality um, which is probably the big, big difference, I'd say. It's just getting that week in, week out, sort of that battle hardened, and you've got to be on each, each week, really, when you're up at the prem. Yeah, yeah. And how then, how did the opportunity come about? Was it kind of pretty quickly after season, full season or so, then Gloucester had a look? Yeah, so being at Ealing, um, I've been there for a year and a half. And um, it was, I was I just got re-signed with Ealing, actually. I did a year there. I re-signed for my second year. And uh, the Rebels, actually, the guy, the Dave Russell was the coach. He actually called me up and, and asked me if I wanted to come back home. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought, I, I said, you know, I'll think about it. But uh, I said to the Ealing coach, I said, look, if he, if he calls to say you don't want to release me or anything because I wanted to stay and, and try and make a friend team. Um, so uh, that was quite ironic, actually. And then, yeah. uh, and then I was about to re-sign for my third year at Ealing because my um, manager here, he, he'd even spoken to Gloucester as well. I think it was Dave Humphreys at the time. Maybe he's not there anymore and hasn't been there since I've been there. Uh, and he said, "Yeah, we're, we're pretty full down at Gloucester." So I was, I was like, "Okay." He spoke to a few other clubs as well, and they said, "Look, because um, I was an international player as well." I wasn't uh, EQP, so I was like, no, we, we can't take him. And then I'm not sure how Johan saw me. He was the coach at Gloucester at the time. I don't know how he saw me playing for Ealing, whether he, watched, he saw a game or something. I'm not too sure. But uh, he he spoke to my manager and said, oh, I want to I speak to him because he'd seen me uh, when he was coaching the Lions. I played the Lions a couple of times and he recognised me. Uh, and so he called my manager and set up a meeting. And then I went down and met with him. He said, look, I want you down here and uh, we'll make it work. So um, I was literally about to re-sign with Ealing that week. And I said, oh, just, and uh, I said, I'll oh, hold the phone. I'll go meet with Johan. And then, um, yeah, that's how that sort of came on. It like the sound of it and, and ended up signing with Gloucester. Nice one. And how are you finding Gloucester? It seems to be all uh, going pretty well there. How are you enjoying the club? Yeah, loving it, loving it. It was, it was quite um, obviously when I first got here it was COVID so um, yeah we start started training and it was all just social distance no ball work or anything so um, I guess the first sort of couple of months stuff to sort of you know get to mingle and meet everyone and and all that sort of stuff because all the restaurants or cafes and that was shut and and all that um, and then. Um, we still had that that restart of the back end of when I came down. There's about nine games in about six weeks to finish off that 2020 season it was, um, which kind of was a bit of a, a blessing for me because with like the midweek midweek games and that, I was, they were always going to rotate the squad a bit. Um, so I managed to get a bit of game time um, in that sort of nine-week block and, and I guess that sort of helped me um, sort of show what I could do a little bit and then sort of led on to the next year 
um, where I end up getting a bit more game time, and then and then this year as well. So um, I guess that sort of timing actually worked out all right for myself. Um, stick with the changeover of coach, with kids coming in, and and probably not knowing much about me. That kind of um, probably helped me show them a bit more of what I what I could do on the field with that those little nine games and six weeks block at the end of COVID. Nice one. And how have you found the, or has there been any like difference in say coaching or setup in the UK versus uh, Oz? Just because like, you know, different styles of play and different, I, I grew up in Ireland and, you know, here it's a lot more structured and stuff or have you found, have you found that? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, definitely with us, you, you can probably tell with the way, especially, you know, first sort of three quarters of the season with the way our mall was going, we, we do a, a lot of mauling <laughs> at, uh, at Gloucester, um, which I wasn't as used to back home. It wasn't as, as a, a bigger focus. But I think, um, yeah, that's sort of the perception is, is probably more kicking in that over here, which, which there might be, but I think each team sort of has their own way of playing. And um, I think over here now, you're seeing a lot more um, like ball movement. You see teams like Queens yeah. or, um, you know, even London Irish, they throw the ball around a lot. Um, Saints, I think there's not really too much difference. You got, like some teams you come up against, Exeter, they have their style, which is they'll grind it down. Saints and Queens, they throw the ball around a lot. So I think there's, there's quite a mix over here of, of the style you're coming up against. But um, training-wise, I think, I think relatively similar, um, probably a bit more um, off the cuff stuff when I was back home, sort of um, play play what you see don't, and throw it around a bit more. But I think like now in, you know, sort of today's game, you, you see a lot of that over here too. Yeah. With us too, now we've got that artificial turf. Um, you know, you've got the same field all year round. Yeah. Um, so it's not like you get to December and it's, it's muddy and, and squashy, so it's just pick and go and scrum and more. You're able yeah. to actually play um, a pretty attacking brand of rugby even in those winter months. So I think yeah. that, that probably helps a bit as well. Yeah, for sure. That is true. It is, it is kind of all becoming a bit similar versus yeah. five or ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it seems to be... Um, good environment there in Gloucester like the the last maybe just before you joined but you know they're a bit you're lower down Gloucester lower down and is it good a uh, good bunch of lads good um kind of culture there in the club yeah great culture at the club there's a really sort of strong leadership group there with guys who've been around um quite a while like Mark Atkinson lads obviously um Chris Harris and, and Ruan Ackerman there's, there's quite a few guys there that uh, sort of set, set a really good culture, um, standard training, and, and obviously a, a great laugh off the field as well. And um, it's just quite an inclusive club where you know everyone down here lives in pretty pretty close sort of area, either Cheltenham or Gloucester, which is probably about twenty minutes apart. So um, yeah, everyone, everyone's sort of hanging out with each other outside of the outside of the um, training park as well, which which obviously only helps build the on field sort of chemistry and, and bond I guess and um, yeah it's just an environment that, that I've really enjoyed being about and um, and yeah I think it's, it's quite it's, yeah it's quite an enjoyable time both on and off the field here. 
Nice one. And what kind of obviously the results help as well. I think last year when we were, you know, struggling a bit, it's it's a bit it's a bit harder, you know, it's a bit grimmer at training, but then when you're going well, it's obviously a bit more bouncing step around around training as well. So uh, I guess that was adds to it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like one feeds into the other. You get a few wins and all everyone's happy, everyone's, you know, bounced yeah. around and then and it yeah. just keeps feeding into each other. Yeah. Things start to go your way. And I mean you see we lost a few games last year by a try. I think we lost seven by like seven games or eight games, but less than a try or mm. you know, a few last minute tries. And then this year we've won a few, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, it's an extra seven wins and yeah, you know, if it's it's bounce of ball or a missed tackle or whatever can lead to winning or losing a game and, and that's it really. So I guess that's the difference between where you can sit in the ladder and I guess the which leads to a bit of that sort of momentum you build and and obviously the, the extra bounce people get around the confidence and the bounce you have around training and, and the club. Yeah. And it's um it's mad how with kind of evolution of teams, sometimes you have those seasons where you kind of know you're you're losing by a few points kind of a lot and you kind of know that there's something happening, don't you? And that yeah, you're gonna turn we, a corner. Yeah, we did we did, even though we were losing last year, we we did have that feeling around us that um and like that belief in the team that you know we're we're just there, like we're not far off. We need to obviously tighten up a few parts of the game with, you know, a few loose penalties which are leading to a kick at the end to win or I think just that sort of clinical sort of to, to finish off the game and and I guess once you get one, you know, this year we sort of, once you close out a, a tight game mm. and that sort of leads into, you know, the next one where you don't get as tight towards the back end of the game or I guess that pressure of having to win, you know, you've lost six or seven on in a row, you know, you you sort of feeling that pressure towards the end of the mm. game you need to win one, whereas now you've won a couple, you sort of have that confidence to towards the end of the game rather than feeling pressure, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you mentioned that, like, hanging out with the lads away from training or what What kind of stuff? Would you be in the club or is that, like, going off and having a coffee or what's that like? Yeah, you go, go play cards and, and have, uh, have, have, uh, have coffee and... Um, the Monopoly deal or um, be myself and Mark Atkinson we just bought um, a bull set so we've been down the park a bit playing some bulls oh, yeah. <laughs> down there and um, I've just got a young seven month old now and uh, seven month old son and there's a few guys at the at the club with, with young kids so we'll sort of catch up and, and the kids will, will play out and the kids will play together or, or sort of just look at each other really at that age but and the and the partners will will hang out and, and have a chat as well. So it's quite nice that it's quite a family sort of feel to it as well, where the partners are involved, the kids get involved, and um, yeah, it's quite a nice environment. Nice one, good stuff. And uh, going back, you mentioned like um, you were a farm player going when you went over to to England or whatever, and classifies that. And you said your old man is um, Kiwi. What? So there's a lot of talk of you should be in the England squad or whatever in the media. But um so what's your heritage and is it England through residency that you're qualified? Nah, so oh what now? Yeah, what's your heritage like heritage? So uh, I'm Aussie. I was born in born in Oz. Um my mum's Australian. I was born in Sydney. Um uh, but my dad's from Christchurch in New Zealand. Um and then so when I came over here, uh 
I was on like a special, it was like a new visa the year I signed a feeling that there's a new visa that where if you played, um, I think it was like 75% of, of your super rugby game for yeah. the last 24 months, then you could get this visa to come live over here and, and play. So even though I had my back injury, if you could prove you would have been playing with, um, without the injury, if you hadn't been injured, then you would have kept yeah. playing that sort of count those games. So that was uh, how I got the visa to get over here to start with. And then, um, and then yeah, just through through three years um, of being over here, um, that's when I qualified for EQP. I wasn't actually, at the time, I, originally when I came, it was, I thought it was five years, but then I was speaking to our team manager and he, um, he said it changed through COVID or something, something happened and changed back to three. So then I was like, yeah, and, that's the case we did the paperwork and it was all clear and so yeah we got got the EQP so um yeah it turned out turned out pretty well good stuff and uh I gather as well seeing small things that you're pretty chilled and laid back um off the field and how uh what would be some things because I know it's like a lot of people stress players stress but what would be some things uh or is that first up is that the case like are you uh Try to be, I guess. Yeah, try to be. Obviously, um, I guess coming into games, I'm always a bit more, a bit more stressed. I guess I probably hide it a bit better than than others. Maybe that's how. But uh, I yeah, I try, I try to sort of switch off when I'm at home. And, and now I've got Masani, obviously distracts me quite a bit. So um, I guess that helps a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of stress would you have like coming into games? Yeah, just like the main ones, just sort of fear of losing or, or playing bad, really. Uh, like particularly, I'm normally all right. We do captain's run Friday, but Saturday morning, I can just I just get the butterflies in the stomach and um and that sort of like the morning of the game is probably my least favorite day of the week because I just I just sort of, you sort of build it up in your head a bit, particularly if it's a big game and um. Or even if it's like a game you're expected to win or whatever, that's probably when I'm more nervous because you sort of, all right, we need to we need to win this one because they yeah. expect you to win. Um, and then uh, once I get to the game, once I'm on the field, it sort of it goes away and I'm all good and I'm sort of just in, all right, in the zone and yeah, you know, it's go time. But it's that morning of the game where I just sort of get a bit of the nerves and, and a bit anxious and. Um, but I think I've sort of had the just try of the mindset now, stick the um so this last sort of six months and just just trying to enjoy the moment because at thirty now, thirty one this year, I might not have I don't have a, you know, I've got shorter in my career than I I've got less to go than what I do mm. um than what I would when I was younger. So I sort of just trying to enjoy it and, and enjoy actually game day and and don't get too too panicked about the result just sort of if um if you sort of just trust what you've done through the week and and all that then it should be all right on the weekend hopefully yeah and it's funny like literally every player gets those nerves or you know no matter what level yeah. i think or yeah, you know yeah. Chat, yeah. Yeah, i think it's just like that expectation you have on yourself i guess so if i went we went back and played for manly now i'd still probably be nervous in the morning because you expect to play well and you know people would want you to play well so um, I guess that's just sort of what, yeah. Yeah. Sort of want, want and have you found, 
Yeah. And when you say like, enjoy, enjoy it like a hundred percent, that's, that's a uh, huge and very important. Like, have you started to enjoy the, the pre-match, like those butterflies, or have you been able to kind of switch the mindset to kind of start enjoying a little bit more of the stuff before games that in the past you might've been like wound up? Or yeah, not? I think I just, I still, I still get the butterflies and, and yeah. uh, I think that's just, that's just normal. That's tough on each because it's just sort of, you know, just a, you want to play well and, and um, you know, do the fans proud and the coach proud and all that. But, um, I mean, definitely through the week now and, and at training, it's um, particularly right up, up until Friday, I'm definitely a lot more calmer and I'm not focusing on the game as much Monday to Friday, um, just more of the preparation and, and the process and, worry about the outcome of the game when we get to that um which i think helps helps a lot to stay calm during the week because you don't want to burn too much energy thinking too much about something five days in advance because then you might lose focus on what we're what we're practicing at training so um i think that's sort of probably one of the changes that i've noticed a bit um just in myself and um i guess probably been been a bit older now and haven't played played what, for almost 10 years now since I was at the Rebels or nine years. I guess just a bit more experience and it. it's just sort of, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say you're not as, I guess you're just a bit more more comfortable or confident in your ability than what, than what you are as a, a 21 or 22 year old. Mm. And would you, What's been the best uh, period of your career playing? Do you feel looking back? Uh, as in, like the best I've played. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. When did you think? Oh, I was balling then, or I was playing. That was when I was playing best. Um, probably say either this season was one of the better ones. I reckon. Yeah. Um. Uh. I guess when you start getting that week in, week out game time as well, you build a few combinations. Um, and I would probably say, I think, 20, I think it was about my third year in Melbourne, I started I started getting, um, had a few good games there. Um, I sort of hadn't started the first sort of five or six games and I came on against the Blues. And then we sort of beat the Blues, beat the Chiefs, and had a good run of games there. So probably those sort of two periods, uh, probably my best sort of two seasons of rugby, I'd say. Yeah. And what what do you think um, this year? Like, is there anything you think that has helped you? Like, it looks like yeah, I haven't couldn't really remember too much about back in the Rebels, but like it looks like just yeah, smashing it this year. Like, is there anything in particular that has helped you? Um, I guess yeah. I just want. Just want to prove to myself that I've been, you know, I'm, I can play at the standard, and I think um, just I've tried to to really focus a lot on my my preparation and like the small things, bit of stretching, getting a bit more physio, just getting um, that rehab sort of stuff, and and all that. Um, we had a really really tough preseason, which I think really got my 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 cardio and my fitness and all that up to probably the best it's been. Um, and I think that's probably helped me, particularly with the longevity of the seasons over here, because you used to play in 15 games back home, where it's mm-hmm. easy to sort of 
play, you know, within Europe and the Prem Cup and all the different competitions, it's almost double that by the time we get to, or it is double that by the time we get to the end. So yeah. I just wanted to focus a lot on getting my body right so that I could withstand the whole season. And I think in the process of doing that, it just sort of helped me on the field with, with being able to try to stay explosive throughout the game as opposed to um, uh, running out of, running out of steam, you know, at the 50, 60 minutes sort of what, sort of mark. Yeah. Um, thanks for your time. I just have two more questions, but uh, That's fine. first up, what would you say to your 18 year old self? The fellow who hadn't made the academy quite yet, but was a keen rugby player. Ooh. Um, what would I say? Say just, just go with your, your gut instinct, really. I think if you, if you want to, I sort of found that, uh, like when, when I was, uh, when I first signed and I was, I was sort of probably trying to play, you know, you're trying to can do different um, sort of stuff to please the coaching staff, I guess, mm. on the field. And, and I guess I just thought, uh, I think I remember a very bit into my career, I was just thinking, mate, just, just do what got you signed in the first place and and what you're good at and, and be really good at what you're good at and then try to develop um, little techniques and critique your game and, and add little strings to your bow as you go. But um, I think when you're on the field and, and playing to do what got you there in the first place because that's what what um what got you there and, and that leads to, to probably why you might get on to do bigger and better things and, and what makes you play your best game, I guess, is is that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's brilliant. So <clears throat> you kinda and did you kind of clock that during your career that it's like you're not gonna be this other flanker like you you're you're good at what you're good yeah, at yeah. and just be brilliant at that and don't be worrying about yeah. throwing 20 meter skip pass off yeah, your weekend. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, as game plans change in that and, and I guess positions develop into having different skills and, and you want to go with the times as well and develop skills. But um, I guess the, the forefront of my mind is, is what got me there in the first place is, is tackling hard and, and carrying hard and, and work and good work rate. And I, I think, that have that underpinning everything for me personally and then develop a bit of bit of passing bit of you know little tips and and offloads and that um but you know i don't don't have to go out there and try to be sunny bill williams or mm. or anything like that because it's not the not what um is my, my biggest strength nice one and how far into the future do you look say with like plan like oh i want to do this or that or the other or do you look into the future or, or you know how do you go about that kind of um obviously with like the we've got one more season at Gloucester you sort of loosely um I guess living overseas we, we talk about you know are we comfortable you know opportunities come up what would we sort of think would we would we go back home are we happy living here and you sort of um have few of those sort of conversations with my partner, but I, um, I, they're not really too much at the forefront of the mind. I, I just sort of try to focus mostly in the moment, and and I guess the rest sort of just takes care of itself, really, because um, there's no point planning 
post next season because if we have a terrible season, nothing's really going to come up anyway. So I just sort of, I think, I just try stay in the now and, and focus on what I can control and, you know, as I say, control the controllables and, and hopefully the rest of it will take care of itself and, you know, play well enough next year and hopefully have the fortune of staying in, in Gloucester or, um, but I guess that all that sort of stuff's just out of my, out of my control outside of playing well, really. Yeah. And how, how have you found moving abroad and kind of living abroad and getting set up and all that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, going to, to London, I guess, you know, I guess the good thing about Ealing is, um, was, uh, was an easy sell to my partner going to West London as opposed to, um, the middle of nowhere. I don't, yeah, I don't bag mouth anything, but you know, if it was going to Cornwall or Jersey where you're sort of in the, you're a bit, a bit far away from everyone, um, particularly London, there's so many Aussies over there. My sister was living there. Mm. So, um, it, it wasn't too much of a transition and, um, you know, it's different if you're going to France, you know, you don't even know the language, whereas at least you could sort of make friends, you could work, and partner could work. And um, it was actually, it was just it was just really exciting, I think. We were just at 26, 27 at the time and going to the other side of the world. And, um, you know, you got Europe on your doorstep where we, we tried to do a little bit of travel um, in the time off. So it was just, uh, yeah, it was something we, we, we were both quite excited for. Good stuff. Um, well, hey, thanks for your time. Really enjoyed chatting and uh, yeah, best of luck with, with everything going forward at Gloucester. Cheers, Brian. I appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something that will help you on your journey. Make sure to share this with a friend and if you're a player who wants to make next season better than last season, and you want to get to your next level, I have an exclusive podcast where I help you do exactly that. You get access when you join the first 15 group on patreon.com forward slash offfieldrugby. The link is in the show notes and there's no long-term commitment. It's month to month. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I'm running a competition on my Instagram at offfieldrugby and it's with Broball and it's going for the next few days so bro ball is a rebounder rugby ball so you can practice your skills on your own passing against a wall we're giving away a free ball and takes 10 seconds to enter so check out that on instagram at offfield rugby and the balls are good they're cool to throw against a wall and play around with and they're endorsed by quay cooper niall williams and robbie henshaw Nile and Robbie who have been on this pod before. Cheers for spending some time with me today. Have a good one.